Welcome to the Teeth Chatters podcast, where we chat all about the correlation between oral health and systemic health. My name is Sarah Giuliano. I have been a registered dental hygienist for over a decade. Now I'm about to branch out from the dental chair into the community to all you beautiful, amazing people. Together, we can connect the body to the mouth through educational podcasts. So let's get this show started. joining me today on today's podcast. I have a very special guest here today. I have Dr. Ashley. Dr. Ashley was born and raised in Buffalo and cares deeply for her patients of Western New York. She's experienced treating patients in their homes, in hospitals, long-term care facilities, private practices, and community health care centers. Dr. Ashley is committed to improving access to dental care. Dr. Ashley is a graduate of Canisius College, UB School of Dental Medicine, and ECMC's residency program. She is a member of the Special Care Dental Association, the 8th District Dental Society, New York State Dental Association, as well as the American Dental Association. Dr. Ashley is the recipient of Buffalo Business First 30 Under 30 and had started her own private mobile business called Accommodental. Dr. Ashley, thank you so much for joining us today on this show. We are so excited to have you here. So what a great honor it must have been for you to receive that accomplishment for being Buffalo's best under 30. So tell me a little bit about that, because I know you started a business in 2022. That was very interesting for me because it is it's business first 30 under 30 in Buffalo. And I'm a dentist. I haven't thought about myself as a businesswoman before, but I guess that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm definitely running a business now. So it was you. an honor to be honored, especially so early on in my business. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That's so empowering. I love that. So I just, first of all, I want to thank you so much for joining me today and our guests on this episode. Um, So first, before we get started, just tell me a little bit about you, about yourself, you know, outside of dentistry. So I am born and raised in Buffalo, New York, and I live here. My entire family is here. Um, I spend a lot of time with my, my friends and family. And in my family, I have a lot of people who, you know, are I guess now would be like patients who um, are either homebound or have special needs. And that kind of motivated pretty much everything I decided to do um, from the time that I, you know, realized these people needed extra help when I was a kid. So I'm really involved with dentistry, of course, but also any kind of like social justice initiative in town, um, just helping people get access. And that's how I spend most of my time. I love that. Have you always wanted to get into dentistry? Is it something that you've always aspired to do, you know, as a young girl? I decided to be a dentist when I was about 14, but before then, wow. uh, I would say around nine, my little sister was born. She has special needs and I visited all of her doctor appointments. I would see the different therapists that would visit our houses. I knew I wanted to be involved in healthcare, but I wasn't sure in which way. So I would interview all these different providers. And finally, by the time I was 14, I realized that my dentist is a great guy. My entire family can see him, not only my sister, and he's got a nice life and a beautiful family and a very nice guy. So um, I just loved who he was, what he did. And then 
it turns out I'm practicing dentistry completely differently than him, <laughs> but he yeah. still it was definitely the inspiration for why I got into dentistry. I love that. I think that that's awesome. And I love that you are doing something that's a bit outside the comfort zone of what typically a lot of dental, young dental students or young graduates come out. They usually get right into private practice or work for a corporation. Um, and you just decided to dive head first <laughs> into doing your own business, which I think is phenomenal and fearless, so by the way. Well, thank you. I'm definitely not fearless. I just, um, I'm doing it anyway, I guess. So I got out of school and if you had asked me during dental school, if I decided to, if I was going to be a business owner, I would say absolutely not. I was very committed to public health. So I assume my career would have been in public health facilities, hospitals, um, places like that, that usually work with, I don't know, economically disadvantaged patients or medically complex patients. And I did that. So I graduated dental school and went straight to work at ECMC as a dental resident. Mm -hmm. And in the hospital, I was doing everything that I ever wanted to do. Bedside consults, um, trauma, you know, urgent care for people who have nowhere else to go. And I thought for sure that I was going to be a hospital dentist. So when I was a resident, I signed a hospital dentistry contract for another hospital here in Western New York. And then COVID happened. <laughs> COVID, mm. um, everybody was, you know, all the administrators, people were furloughed and credentialing was taking a long time. And I realized that this public health, um, you know, and you know, the draw of public health, not only would be helping patients like this, but is a sense of security. And mm -hmm. I realized that there's no such thing as a secure job, even for a dentist. So right Absolutely. then and there, I was like, you know what, if, if nothing's secure anyway, I want to definitely do something that um, works with patients that I, that I care about, but on my own terms. So yeah, within a year of uh, finishing residency, you know, I was working full-time in public health, but I was saving up the funds to be able to go out on my own and start my own mobile service. I love that. You know, it's interesting that you say that because I have done quite a few interviews with dental hygienists, dentists, things like that. In it seems like every single one of us that I've talked to decided during COVID to take a little bit of a turn and try something <laughs> different and get outside of our comfort zone. I know I did that as well, too. I was a dental hygienist for 12 years and I was like, you know, I've, I had all this time off. I mean, you know, we, we weren't practicing in Western New York for almost four or five months. And I mm -hmm. just had that time where I said, okay, Sarah, you know, what else is out there? What else do you want to do? And it kind of just got my wheels turning. So I, for one, and I don't know if you feel the same way, I kind of felt like COVID was a blessing in regards to me kind of sitting with myself and saying, okay, what else can I do, but also maintain, you know, my dental hygiene license, but stay within the oral health care field, which is basically oh, yeah. what you did as well. COVID definitely threw everybody for a loop. Thank goodness I was a dental resident at the time. So I was an mm -hmm. essential employee. I did not lose my job. Although mm -hmm. we couldn't practice dentistry in the hospital, we just, you know, switched our efforts over to, to COVID testing. So we were all of a sudden running tests and heading out to the lab. So we weren't, you know, like you said, we weren't able to practice dentistry at the time, but we were, you know, doing healthcare in the hospital during COVID. And that was very interesting. So you um, actually, doing your residency at ECMC, you actually had an opportunity to see a lot, correct? Like you were Absolutely. saying, like trauma, people with special needs, I'm sure people that have, um, you know, chemotherapy and things like that. And we know what that can do to their oral health. Mm -hmm. You know, tell me about how that helped, you know, kind of for you to want to start your own business after having your residency at ECMC. You're right. That was a great program. They also had a long-term care facility on site. So I was working with people who are um, residences of that center. We'd go and we would do bedside consults for people who um, had pain. Maybe they were admitted for heart surgery and all of a sudden had a toothache. So 
the idea of going bedside was kind of developed there too, um, because we were doing bedside consults for hospital residents. And even while I was there, I was not licensed. So in New York state, you don't have a dental license until after you complete your residency. During residency, I had an uncle call me and ask if I could make him a set of dentures. Now, of course I couldn't because I was a resident, but I said, sure, as soon as you know, I get out of here, I can come to your house and, and make you dentures. And then it, you know, got me thinking like, wait a minute, is anybody doing house calls at all? Because I know half the patients, even at ECMC, who I was seeing bedside, we would say, okay, I know you're here for heart surgery. looks like you have an infection. Here's some antibiotics. When you get out, go to the dentist and they'll take care of it. And I knew, I felt, I, we knew they weren't going to go to the dentist. Like they were not mobile, not well. And I could tell them like, when they leave here, there's no way that they're going to be able to get to the dentist. So that's when I started to notice that there's an entire need here in my community that's not being met. And it's people who are homebound or people who cannot get to the dentist safely. Um, so during residency, I, I found a book, did some reading, and I decided right then and there, I wasn't sure if I do it full-time, part-time, um, but I knew that I had to start doing house calls for people. You know, that actually leads me into my next question. You just talking about that, like you seeing a patient that's going in for heart surgery, but they have a toothache, but yet you know that they can't really address that right at the point. So you give them antibiotics to prevent, you know, infections around the heart. So when you were in dental school, <clears throat> how much of your dental education did they focus, did your professors, you know, and teachers focus on oral systemic health? Because obviously you working in a hospital, I know that EC ECMC has their own dental clinic as well, but you actually got to see patients that were very sick, um, you know, systemically as well. So how we much did. of your dental education did they focus on oral systemic health correlation? You know, that's a really good question. I would say definitely over half of our required training did involve oral systemic health. So we had to learn how dentistry, um, you know, the drugs that we use, how they interact with different systems or the drugs people are taking for other health um, conditions, how that would influence whether or not we would do surgery and things like that. So mm -hmm. luckily I did feel equipped going into residency with, with a good education about oral systemic health, but residency where we were seeing patients with cancer, patients with other ailments that definitely solidified all um, the oral systemic health connection for me. I love hearing that. And I think that that's fantastic because, I mean, as you know, my podcast is all about oral systemic health correlations. And, you know, I feel as if that's something that people need to become more aware of is that your mouth is connected to the rest of your body where a lot of times, you know, it's always been, you know, you go in, you ask the patient, do you have any, you know, medical changes? And they say, well, why do you ask me? You're just cleaning my teeth or you're mm -hmm. just doing a filling, right? And it's just like, right. well, no, because really, we really need to know why, because this is actually could affect your appointment today. So, you know, I'm really glad to hear that. So that's awesome. So let's jump into this. So tell me about your business that you recently started. Talk about Akama Dental with us, because I know this is very, I can see you get all smiley. Let's talk about it. Thanks. <laughs> it is embarrassing. I love, I mean, I'm just, I love it so much. I smile like a kid. Um, <laughs> it's your the baby. Name of my business, it, it is. It's a, it's a Akama Dental. And speaking of it being my baby, we just celebrated its one year birthday <laughs> last month so for an entire year now thank you um i started out doing house calls one day a week last year and now i am up to four days of house calls um and i visit patients at home who are best treated at home i don't advise people who are able to get to the dentist um to call me for a house call if you're physically able i recommend people go to the dentist that's where the panoramic x-ray machine is that's where the same day you know, Sarah Crown milling machine is, but if you cannot get to the dentist and there are millions of people in the country who cannot, um, you need to have a dentist come into your home for things like cleanings, x-rays, exams, small fillings, extractions, 
Um, even, you know, people, honestly, even patients in hospice, they're, you know, going through the a tough time in their lives and their family's lives. And they, they might still have a toothache, believe it or not, while they're, while they're there. So um, patients need doc- dentists at home the same way that they need physicians in their home or physical therapists in their home. Um, so you were talking before, you mentioned how people forget that their mouth is attached to their body. And I think that the government forgets too, and insurance companies and everybody else. Like um, I agree. dentistry yeah. is just as essential as all of those other services. And dentistry up until this point in my community has not been offered in the home. So this is amazing because you are basically, you are starting a new trend. You're the leader. Well, in the, in, in right now, maybe, I mean, actually I was contacted by a woman who mentioned she's, she saw one of my advertisements and called me. She's like, Hey, in the eighties, I used to do house calls, but um, it, in the way that they were doing, I guess for her, it wasn't super fun or sustainable in, in her case, but she said, you know, I used to do that way back when. And then I, I have connected with a woman in New York city who's been doing it for almost 40 years. So awesome. I'm not inventing anything brand new, but the truth is it isn't normal. It's definitely right. been very niche and it's done. It's very limited. The people who um, are able to access it. So I do, I hope before I die sometime that dental home care is just normal and it's not novel anymore. It's not niche anymore. It's just a part of healthcare services that are offered at home. Um, But that would involve a lot of legal change and everything else between now and then. Sure, absolutely. So do you, so if if someone was to call you and say, hello, Dr. Ashley, I'd like you to come out to my house. Do you have a certain protocol that you follow that you can say, well, yes, you know, you qualify or no, you know what, you'd probably be best apt to go to a dental office. Do you have to screen people when you do this before you go to their home? So that's actually a tricky question. I I would never want to be discriminatory. So technically sure. there's actually no way for me to, to screen. I only can offer my best recommendation. So if somebody ensures me, maybe they are, I, I do, I have patients who are completely medically able-bodied and healthy who have extreme, extreme anxiety. Um, so I'll go into their home and I'll talk to them about it and I'll mention um, the benefits and like things like pre-sedation and offer certain services. But guess what? At the end of the day, if they decide that they are a part of the population who's best served at home, I have to support that decision. Um, but there are certain procedures that I don't offer in the home. Mm-hmm. Um, so if they want to have those procedures done, they'll have to go go out anyway. So it's it's something that I just share that I really believe that you know the services should be available for people who need them. Um, but ultimately patients decide whether or not they feel like they need them and they understand my limitations of what I'm able to offer at home. And um, sure. we just communicate that to one another. Yeah, you had mentioned to me <clears throat> previously in one of the conversations that we had how much um, dental hygiene you do. A lot. Yes, I do a lot of dental hygiene. A lot of my calls have been for patients. Um, maybe they have no dental problem or toothache, but their families have had them at home for years and mm-hmm. their families have been like, oh my goodness, I just, we've been meaning to have a dental cleaning. We just couldn't get so-and-so out of the house. Can you please come? And I'll do a lot of dental hygiene and maintenance. That's about half of the, the appointments that I do. And mm-hmm. I wish that a dental hygienist would be able to travel and do these things after a you know an exam by myself and a treatment plan. But in New York state, the way that it is right now, dentists, or excuse me, dental hygienists cannot operate independently mm-hmm. at the moment. So hopefully that's something that we could work on in some time. Yeah, I did a, <clears throat> a podcast a couple months ago with a woman, her name is Colette Murray, and she lives in Alberta, Canada. And she has a mobile access dental hygiene business that she had started about 10 years ago, and it is thriving, which I think mm-hmm. is fantastic because in Canada, you can work independently. Um, 
and she's reaching so many people, you know, she goes into rural communities, you know, where there are not dental facilities and she just gets into that outreach and just really meets people and, you know, does a lot of oral health education. So she's really changing things um, in the community. So I think it's great, as are you. So I'm actually intrigued by the equipment that you use, because is is it much different than what you would find in a dental office? So a lot of what I use is similar to what we would see in a dental office, um, but it is mobile. And actually, if you ever visited, um, if you ever done like a remote area medical, like a RAM trip or some kind of mobile clinic where they set up in a school, a lot of the equipment that I'm using day to day in people's homes is that same equipment. So for example, for restorations, I have a mobile portable compressor that I roll in. It looks like a suitcase and I can plug it into somebody's house and do a filling that way. Um, I'm able to use portable profi angles and profi cups. Um, not a nomad it's called a geno ray that's the portable x-ray unit that i use so it would it would look familiar to you if you were to see it um but people are amazed that it can just be outfitted right into their living room or kitchen bedroom wherever they want to be treated i think that that is the coolest thing ever i would love to see the equipment that you use sometimes yeah, so that's sure. i'm gonna have to check that out so, <laughs> sounds great <laughs> so you and i both know that those who do have systemic health diseases and disabilities need to maintain their oral health um as does everyone, of course, I always include that. However, a lot of people like in assisted living and nursing home facilities don't always have accessibility to get to a dental office for routine dental checkups and maintenance. So with you having you know, the mobile dental clinic, how have you been able to reach those who live in those facilities you know, to meet their oral health needs? So families who call and have family members living in an assisted living or a residential facility, I can go and visit. Um, And a lot of times I see the same things when I'm doing exams. I notice a lot of plaque buildup and Mm -hmm. that's, you know, if you haven't had a professional dental cleaning, I don't care who you are. You're not reaching every part of your mouth that you're able to, because it's impossible. That's why there are dental professionals here to help you clean your teeth. So even people with the best care and the most committed caregivers are still having a lot of buildup, gingivitis, usually periodontal disease. Um, Root root caries are common amongst those people um, because of medications that they're taking. So you see a lot of the same things. And my advice to caregivers is just to have a professional come in every, you know, depending on the diagnosis, like three or six months, um, a lot of chlorhexidine use and yeah. fluoride. Those are my, my health recommendations. So um, chlorhexidine is a common prescription prevent and fluoride treatments are something that I like to offer frequently to patients because yeah, it doesn't matter who you are. You you'll develop some kind of problem if you're not having your teeth professionally tended to, even with the best care. Absolutely. And, you know, like you say, medications, we know, increase dry mouth. Mm -hmm. Um, Those who have, you know, central nervous system disorders, get altered metallic taste, things like that. I mean, it does affect your oral health. And I think a lot of that just does happen to get overlooked when people have such severe systemic health issues. A lot of people who call me are, they're exhausted caregivers, right? They, it's so Mm -hmm. tough for them to be able to you know, wake up their family member, get them bathed and toileted and ready for the day, fed, um, clean. And it's a whole day process. Right. And even brushing their teeth, sure, they might be able to do it for two minutes, but a lot of patients are not cooperative and it frankly isn't safe. Like maybe their loved one is swatting at them because they have dementia and they're not sure what's going on. Or maybe their child has special needs and doesn't like to sit down and they don't know how to, you know, stabilize their, their son or daughter. So it's, it's hard because I think that sometimes dental professionals might look at somebody's mouth and um, 
of a person who's being cared for and assume that the caregiver isn't trying and be like, oh man, what, how are you missing all this stuff? But the caregiver has a lot going on. They have a lot to do. And as you said, like they have a lot of other priorities, competing priorities when patients have other medical problems, keeping them, you know, giving them the right medications, making sure that they're sleeping and eating sometimes does take priority to a thorough dental cleaning. Even if, you know, even if they're trying, it's just very difficult for them to do. And I've had patients come in <clears throat> to see me that, you know, come from nursing home facilities and their family member would bring them in and they'd bring them in and we'd, I would actually clean their teeth in the wheelchair because it was so much easier mm -hmm. for them. And a lot of those patients that I had weren't able to, to talk and communicate and explain that they were having pain. Exactly. And, you know, their, their caregiver would bring them in and say, well, they're just not eating or they chew their food and they keep their chewing their food in their mouth and don't swallow it. I've seen several patients that have gone through that, those with have dementia and, and Alzheimer's and things like that. And, you know, I think that that is very sad because they can't communicate to that. And I love that you are honing in and coming in and able to educate their caregivers, family members, as well as meet their needs as well too. Thank you. You're absolutely right. Patients with special needs cannot always communicate pain or verbalize sure. it. And so it's very important to have a dental exam, even when everything seems hunky-dory, there's always a risk that something is brewing in there that we can't see or we don't know. So Absolutely. I even tell people, um, even their loved ones without teeth, they still need a dentist because they need to have exams of their soft tissue and there are you know, certain conditions that only a dentist can identify. So any person on the planet, um, even people who can't communicate with you, even people without teeth, they still need a dental exam. Absolutely. It's, it's such a vital, important part. Dental health, dental education, dentists, hygienists, assistants, things like that, it is imperative to someone's overall health. Absolutely. Mentally, physically, emotionally, it's it's all one. So how has it been for you personally, knowing that you're impacting the lives of others for the better? And how has it changed you as a dentist? I mean, obviously you said that you're, you know, you celebrated one year with your business, how has this impacted you and kind of driven you to just say, I'm just going to keep going because this feels so awesome to me. That's what it is right there. It's just a feeling. Um, it's, it's a sense of um, being in the right place at the right time or just offering value. I'll be honest. One of the house calls that I did was for a long time patient, um, long time as in one of my first patients a year ago, <laughs> she, um, a year ago, that was cute. <laughs> yeah. She, um, I visited her many times because she has autism and, um, needed to be familiarized with me before I could really do a thorough exam and cleaning. Turns out we had to do a visit to the local hospital. She needed, she's a candidate for OR sedation. Um, so, but even getting her into the hospital is tough because she's so fearful of medical facilities. Um, so, I mean, I really, I just spent a morning with her family, escorting her up to the, the hospital dental center and escorting her back down to the car. And the dentist working there had a hard time approaching her because of her fear. So I was able to help out with the exam and just knowing that I could be there and make her comfortable um, so that she could, you know, I could pass the baton over to the hospital where she needs to have more definitive work done. Um, yeah, just facilitating care like that, just knowing that I can participate in giving care to people who normally haven't gotten it or have trouble accessing it. That's what keeps me going. It's a feeling of being incredibly, yeah, just purposeful. useful. Yeah, useful, just useful. Purposeful. These, this is your purpose. Mm -hmm. You feel right. as if this is your purpose and that's what's going to keep driving you to excel, to expand and to succeed. And, you know, I, I think it's interesting that you had said that, you know, a, a long term patient, you were just talking about you 
she obviously trusted you and mm -hmm. she felt comfortable with you. So you being there with her family, kind of escorting her, taking her to where she needed, probably created more comfort for her. That's what it was. And that to me in and of itself is awesome because you know, in our line of work, you know, once you build that line of trust, that opens up a whole new uh, relationship with the patient. Absolutely. And, you know, things can really change for the better. They'll start listening to you when you start educating them and understanding as well as their family members. Yeah, I think that what keeps me going is knowing that there's not a shortage of dentists in our community. Most people um, do have access to a dentist or um, most dentists are equipped to treat most people. But there are just those people who sometimes who tend to in the past have fallen through the cracks. And I just love to be a provider who, you know, I'm, I'm out there, I'm looking for patients who could potentially fall through the cracks and trying to make sure that I'm available to help them so that they don't. That's the thing that I feel called to do because there, there are dentists and there are patients and most dental practices will be fine with most patients, but you know, that's not everybody. But you also know too, working in, you know, private practice or, you know, dental corporations, things like that, you always have a time crunch. Mm -hmm. You always, you know, you get a certain amount of time, you know, that there possibly is a patient waiting out in the waiting room. You don't always get to have that quality one-on-one -on -one time to sit, to educate, to talk, um, which I think it is very sad, but at times it's just kind of the way of the world right now, where you probably feel a little bit differently um, because you are able to spend the time. You are able to do the education. You are able to sit and say, hey, you know, what's going on? Tell me your symptoms or have the family members. You, I mean, think about it. How much time do you think you actually are able to spend with a patient in a day? Depending on the patient's needs, I minimally, every patient gets an hour on my calendar and then usually 90 minutes to two hours if they need it, even just for a routine, routine checkup. And it's, it's funny because patients are so grateful. They, they call me and they sometimes are in tears. They're like, oh my goodness, I've been looking for a dentist to come to my house forever. Wow. And now I found you and I'm so grateful. They're just happy to have me there. And I'm so grateful to be there because as you said, I get to take my time with them. I get to get to know them. I get to know their family members. I get to spend my time educating and talking about what's going on. Um, I get to take my time with procedures. I don't feel the pressure of patients waiting in a waiting room the sure. same way that other dentists do. I mean, it's great for patients. They feel so lucky, but really every day I feel so lucky because in the moment that I'm there, I am not stressed. I am not rushed. I'm taking my time. I'm doing my thing and I'm helping them. And I don't, it's just a great, I'm just very grateful for the career um, that I've chosen. That I'm and having that, right. And having that time that you have, that's invaluable. Absolutely. Like you said, you're not in an environment where, oh my gosh, I got to finish this procedure because I need to get ready for the next patient. And you're just going, 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 going. You're always ahead, not really focusing so much necessarily on in the moment being able to give that attention, 100% attention to that patient in the Absolutely. chair because of that. You are very fortunate to be able to have that. So, and I think it's fantastic that you have set yourself up and put yourself in that position because well, to me- wonderful. Is I look at you and, and I look at you and say, you know how important it is to educate the patient, to do quality work, and you are putting yourself in that, self in that position to maintain that. And I think that that is amazing. Thank you. I'll be honest with you. It as a businesswoman, we mentioned earlier that you know it's funny. I started a business, even though I mm -hmm. primarily I think of myself as a healthcare provider, a dentist. Um, and even after the past year, understanding the economics of mobile dentistry in my community, I didn't have 
a mentor dentist in town that I could call and say, Hey, what do you charge for so-and-so? What, like, what is this procedure worth? What about my time? And it's funny because I've thought about this throughout the year and we were making adjustments in the coming year, but the amount of time that I'm spending with the patient, plus the amount of time to pack and prepare and then sterilize and take notes and call in scripts and whatever else, um, because of the time required, the, the value of the service is, is a high value. And that does limit accessibility to certain patients who are economically disadvantaged. Now, this is something I've wrestled with. And I'm like, oh, should I just be, you know, I for the, my first three appointments, I charged zero dollars. So I was like pretty quickly realized I was going to go out of business if I did that. So it was just kind of interesting. Um, but patients call all the time and ask if certain procedures are covered by their insurance. And I will admit with this model, it's very tricky and that I have not found a way to make that work. Um, so in lieu of being not unable to accept insurances at this time, just to be a sustainable business, my friends and family and I um, just founded the Home Smile Care Foundation, and we're hoping that we can have people contribute to this fund, and then somehow that board can distribute funds to patients who might not be able to um, afford the the care at home that they really do need. Well, I will absolutely support that. So when we get done with the podcast, send me that link, you know, in an oh, email or, or whatever. Sure. I would absolutely support that because I I definitely believe in what you're doing, and I think it's phenomenal. So okay. let me let's switch gears a little bit. You know, to be honest, do you find it challenging at times? As much as you find it rewarding, do you find it challenging at times? I can only imagine. So kind of walk me through that. Well, there's first of all physical challenges. Me lugging sure. in a big suitcase and I'm lugging in um a compressor and I, I look around the room and I'm trying to find, you know, a, an outlet. Sometimes I have extension cords with me if I need them. So even just getting my bearings going in, in a new house and in a new environment is a little bit of a challenge. Um, sometimes ergonomically it's challenging. My patients don't necessarily recline. They don't sit back. I, I meet them where they are. So that means I might be, you know, a little bit more bent than I should be. And I <laughs> think over the long term, I, you know, I've got to figure out some other kind of positioning or posture training mm -hmm. so that I'm able to do this for a really long time. That would be a big sure. challenge. And then there's also... The emotional challenges. Now, families who are calling me because they have a loved one at home or they themselves are the patient who is um, at home, they often have a lot of feelings of being maybe isolated or a lot of emotions about their health at this time, or maybe their family's very stressed. I've, I've been at home doing denture adjustments before and, you know, hearing s siblings bicker about dividing up care and I'm, oh. it's an emotionally charged situation a lot of times. So that can be difficult. Sure. So those are the challenges, but still, I think that the rewards far outweigh the challenges. And I don't mind being with people in, in hard times or experiencing that with them or listening to them as they talk about, you know, whatever ails them at the moment. That's fine by me. I love that. You're very, you're very, very unique in that because um, it seems like you're very, very patient, very compassionate, very caring, and you want nothing but the best. So I think that that's phenomenal. I think what you're doing is amazing. And I think it's selfless. And I think it's great. Um, have you ever considered I, I'm thinking about this now? Have you ever considered doing dentists without borders? Oh, I know I say that. that because I feel like it's kind of you are doing things outside the box. You know, have you ever thought about doing something like that as well, too? Well, I, while I was a student during dental school, we, we took a trip abroad to Senegal, um, some dental trips in Appalachia too for volunteering. Mm. And then, you know, locally I volunteer once a month at a free clinic in town. So I love to volunteer. And I did 
last December, I decided to take a trip to Ecuador. Now it wasn't Dentists Without Borders, but it was a different dental organization. Mm -hmm. um, so I did some work abroad there too. And yeah, Dentists Without Borders would be great. I'm always looking to, to get out and serve people who don't have regular access to a dentist or who struggle to find care. That's kind of why I think I'm here. So I've, I'd, be, I'd be definitely interested in that. Yeah, I think it, I, I've always, it's something that I've always wanted to do as well too. And I keep saying that at some point, I'm going to do that at some just point. Gotta do it. I just, just sign up. <laughs> and that's just it. It's like, okay, don't say it, do it. <laughs> right. You get it. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Cause like I said, it's always something I've wanted to do. Um, so you and I spoke briefly before doing this podcast, the podcast, and we talked about the benefits of going to speak um, to dental students, you know, as well, the dental hygienist students and educating them about how Having good oral health is vital to patients' systemic health. Um, have you ever considered going to dental schools and speaking on this as well at some point? Because you definitely are in a position where you see firsthand so many patients that have systemic health diseases and things like that, disabilities. Oh, absolutely. I think that I feel now that I'm doing mobile dentistry and I realize how rare it is and how how it's so significantly needed, the demand is absolutely there. And I just don't think there are enough dentists doing mobile dentistry or dental home care, I feel mm -hmm. very called to encourage more dentists and dental students to do that. Um, I just spoke at a high school locally recently to students who um, were interested in different careers, and I feel super called to let them know both about the oral systemic health connection, but also what they can do as a dental provider to help patients who don't have care now. Um, if they're, I'm like, yeah, if you're going to become a dentist, great, but then think about being this kind of dentist. <laughs> so, <Sure>. um, because <laughs> yeah, I, I would love, love that. To I would love to speak to dental students and just let them know this is possible. I'd never heard about this career until I was a resident. I went, you know, all through my four years and assumed that I had to have a career in public health to do the kind of work that I wanted. And now public health careers are great, but we talked about like there's people waiting in the waiting room and um, you don't really always get the time that you would love. So there are cons to doing that too. And this is a model. This is a business model, a dentistry model. Um, it's great for patients, great for doctors. And I just think that if more dentists knew about it, there would be more dental providers providing care, which in the long run would make it more accessible. Um, you know, people would be more available, but also like competition, it would be more affordable. Maybe, maybe someday insurances would cover it the way they do sure. home care. But the, the problem is there just isn't, there aren't enough providers doing it. Right. So we need to, I'd, I'd be more than happy to speak to any dental student about about this path because right. you know frankly it shouldn't be very competitive and that like even if there were 10 mobile dentists in buffalo new york where i live i'm sure i would still be busy and they would still be busy because there's sure. just so many people who need it it's not i am not worried about anything like that like i just think the more the merrier because there will always be a need which is the right attitude to have because it's not about competition it's about no. reaching as many people as exactly. possible and exactly. i think that that's phenomenal so let me ask you a question you're very young, I know, which is great. <laughs> Where do you see yourself in your business in 10 years time? Because I know, like you said, you've, you've made it a year. Congratulations with that. You know, what, what do you see yourself in 10 years with the business? I definitely see the business growing. I mentioned before that it can be physically tolling. So I think that at some point I might decide to maybe max maximize, you know, my schedule at three or four days a week so that I'm not carrying so many heavy things and maybe I'll have employees or a team or other dentists who can work here or maybe not maybe I'll just encourage other dentists in town to start their own businesses and we can work together um but I do see myself at moving into an educational role really soon because I just think that the more that I do dental home care and the more that I treat patients the more I want other dentists to be doing it too and I really would love to speak to dental students if like you mentioned or even 
you know, practicing dentists or retiring dentists, whoever, and just mm -hmm. encourage them to pursue this field, maybe give some tips about the equipment that they should buy or the, how they schedule their day or anything. Like I'm just very, I feel very called to move into the education space to encourage more people to do this because like I said, I would love it if someday it's just normal. And, but it, you also see the impact it has on people's lives. So mm -hmm. now you're like, wait a minute, I've seen this firsthand. I see what it's doing clinically, emotionally, mentally, physically. I want to educate other dental professionals to get out there as well. I did a podcast a few months ago with a dentist in Florida. Um, he speaks all over the country. He's done TED Talks and oral systemic health, and he's always been a very strong oral systemic health uh, dental practice. And he just retired this past year. And I said, what do you do on your free time? He said, well, I still I still go out and educate. He said, I live for it. And, and it's interesting because, you know, he's he's mid 70s and he said, I will do this for as long as I can do it. He said, because the more people I reach, the more people become aware. He said, hopefully younger dentists, younger dental professionals are going to incorporate that oral systemic health into their community. So if when you do go out to do education, I'm not going to say if, but when. <laughs> Thank you. What is the strongest message you would like to send? to dental students or young dentists who are in the residency or completing the residency, getting ready to go out into practice? I want aspiring dentists, young dentists to know that there is a need that is not being met and that they can be a part of the solution. And then they can have um, the business of their dreams. I mean, they can decide that they're going to go to yoga in the middle of the day if they want to, or they can wake up very early or I don't know, they can make their own schedule so that they never have to miss any kids soccer games and they can help a lot of people in a very meaningful way while they're doing it. And I just think that they need to know that the need is there. They need to know they can be a part of the solution very easily. That's another um, great thing that young dentists should know. A lot of people come out of school and they think in order to make a living, they have to go invest in a $20,000, $30,000 implant class, sleep dentistry class. And those services are great and people need them and you'll help people if you go to those classes. But you also can graduate and on day one, you know how to help somebody with a denture adjustment. You know how to help them clean their teeth. You know how to do an operative procedure. You can do these things at home and help people who really need you right away. So absolutely, I just think if anybody's looking to get into it and looking to have an impact right off the ground, this is the best way to do it. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's great because you have no idea. You have no idea when you go out and start educating who you're going to meet. Who, mm -hmm. what what impact you're going to have on someone's life. And I also think, too, that when they're younger, coming out of school, just starting out, it's going to be easier to reach versus, you know, them already kind of getting out there and, and getting on that, I hate saying, and I probably shouldn't say it, that hamster wheel. It is. It's an economic it thing is. at some point because the traditional dental practice model for most private practitioners involves a lot of overhead. Frankly, they have, you know, they have bills to pay. They have debt to pay on equipment and things and staff. And if you can start a mobile practice prior to assuming any overhead or um, responsibility and things like that, it just economically, it makes more sense. So I don't, I don't blame a lot of people in the middle of their career in private practice, look at me and they say, how can you do this? Or how would you do that? And, you know, they ask me all these questions, but based on how they've spent their time and allocated their resources, they probably couldn't step away from that work lifestyle at the moment because they're too they're entrenched in it. They, ha they have to fulfill that thing. Like, as you said, like if they stop, the business would stop and um, there's a whole problem. But when you, before you have any commitments to a staff, to a mortgage on a building, like you, you can run a mobile dental practice out of your 550 square foot apartment. I know. Cause I've been doing it for the last year. <laughs> so you can do it and you don't have to. This assume is why I'm doing the podcast in my closet. 
yep, yep. I'm doing this podcast for my closet. My apartment has very tall ceilings. And so I have to be in it. I love it. I think you rock. But you're also telling young dentists, I don't mean young in age. I mean, young starting out fresh out of dental school Mm -hmm. after the residency. Um, So just let me clarify that. So I also think though, too, it's, it helps dental professionals realize that they can hone in, focus on their field, but also maintain work-life balance and not burn out. Because you were just saying, like, if you want to take a yoga class in the middle of the day, if you decide to have a family or you do have a family, you won't miss that soccer game because you are creating, you're building your business around your schedule without a lot of overhead. (laughs) You're right. So it offers a lot of freedom and dentists are known to be highly stressed. You know, there's that common statistic that dentists don't sometimes live very long because they're so burnt out all the time. And I don't, I totally see why. I mean, when you have the pressure of people in a waiting room and you, you run at 60% overhead. So you have to like, you know, produce, you are, you are stressed out. And if somebody calls in or you have a snowstorm that day, no one makes it in like that gives you anxiety. And I, I don't know. I think the dentists are very used to assuming those risks and running that life because that's how it's been for so long. But I don't think that it has to be that way. And I actually think if we could find ways for dentists to, in every every part of dentistry, lower your overhead, lower your anxiety, stress, maybe, you know, not doing a 40-hour work week even. Talk about that. Sure. Like I, most of my professors who, you know, they've been practicing for years and years when I was in school, they would say they never worked on Fridays. And that was always a joke. You couldn't find a dentist in town on a Friday. But, you know, maybe that's a good thing because people are able to do better work when they don't feel so stressed, when they don't feel so overwhelmed. So if, if dentists are able to have a work-life balance, whether it's in private practice or mobile dentistry, it's just better for patients all around. They yeah. wouldn't be, you know, stressed. Right. Mentally, physically, emotionally, not only that too, you impact the quality of your work mm-hmm. when you are revived, refreshed and, and work-life balance. Um, I couldn't agree with that more. And I think obviously if you're going to go out in the education, I mean, I think that would be huge to even tell them, you know, the students or young dentists starting out, like, listen, it is so easy to fall into that. Um, but here's a way where you can have work-life balance. So I think that's awesome too. So let me ask you a few more questions. Is there any final thoughts that you would like to share today with our listeners? I want your listeners to remember that there are millions of people who can never make it to the dentist and Mm -hmm. it's not fun to think about and no one likes to think about it. Um, but it needs to be thought about. So whatever you're doing, if you're, however you're, you know, able to contribute, like think about all the people at home who Mm -hmm. can't get to the dental services and think about how we can connect them to those, whether in your area, if there's no mobile dentist, try to find some mobile, um, transport, I don't know, transport facilities and see if there's some way to raise money to help people get around. Um, just, I just never want anyone to forget that there are millions of millions of people at home who can't get to the dentist, who need a dentist. Yeah. And also um, to put yourself in their shoes. Oh, yep. That's a good point. I think I if need- you can, if you can do that and put yourself in their shoes, you know, you'd want someone to meet you where you're at if you didn't have accessibility to get out, to get the, the needs that you that you need. Well, and it isn't always if you need that. It's it's for a lot of us. It's when you know if we're lucky enough to live a very long time, we will all experience disability at some point in our life. And sure. it's funny when people think that it's you know for those people or those other people who need to stay home or who need a ramp or a wheelchair. It's no, nope, it could very well be any of us um, if we have a bad accident tomorrow. So I think that to just not feel so removed or not wonder you know about those people or 
when, you know, if they need that, like they, you're going to potentially need these services in the future too. So try to create something that, you know, could be around for it to take care of you when you're in your, you know, later part of life at some point. Yeah, absolutely. Because you, like I said, you would want that for yourself or your family absolutely. members. You would yeah. absolutely want that. And caregivers um, and family members know, like you were saying earlier, how hard it is to get them bathed, get them fed, get them dressed. It, it A lot of times it takes hours upon hours or to get, it takes 20, 30 minutes to get them in the car. And I mean, you know that. And you know, that's a that's a lot where I think that, you know, you coming to them and making it more accessible is just a beautiful thing. So I think it's amazing mm -hmm. what you're doing. So I know that you are big on education and how important it is for you to reach uh, dental professionals and you want to get more into education as well, too. So is there anything that you would like to do, like perhaps, you know, start blogs at some point to really get that message out there? Yeah, it's funny you should say that. I recently just uploaded the the trailer and got this going. We have a podcast to offer to people now called the Residential Movement, and that is a that's me talking to people about my experiences as a home care dentist. And I'll bring on some guests who are you know doing that too, either visiting other facilities or people in different parts of the country, just to help people know that this field exists. So I'll be offering um, some insight into what my days look like and answering common questions that I get. On the residential movement podcast before we close where can people find you and access your website this is for all of our listeners um to meet dr ashley if 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 need be so where can they find you well if they are looking to find me i'd say start off with the accommodental website that's a, a website where you can learn all about like my mobile dentistry service accommodental and these services are only offered in buffalo new york so obviously if you're looking and you're out of the area they won't be super relevant, but you can get in touch down at the bottom um, of that website that way. And then okay. secondly, by the end of uh, the month, we're going to have a new website up that's called the residentialmovement.com. And that's kind of a play on words, residential instead of residential to talk about meeting patients in their home. So I'll be starting um, to offer podcasts and resources for young dentists or dental students who are looking to get into mobile dentistry or, or dental home care. So the residentialmovement.com. I love that. And I know you and I spoke about, you know, you doing your podcast now. So you are just expanding. You're getting you're getting your voice out there more and more. And I commend you for that. And I think it's great work that what you're doing. Um, I would love to do this again at some point. You know, when you do get your website, uh, the other website up and running, we can talk a little bit more about that if that's something that you'd like. Um, or maybe we can have like a group discussion and maybe get some other dentists or even. Sure, yeah, that's exactly even what it's like, for. Yeah, exactly. And just kind of have like a big um, platform where we can just communicate and talk. And I think that that would be lovely. Like the more voices, the better. That's how yeah. I feel. I think Absolutely. it's great. Thank you so much. And I love so what you're much. doing. So thank you for inviting me to be on this podcast because I no, I love the work you, you do and the messages you share. So I appreciate you reaching out. Uh, and I appreciate you. And I would love to do this um, again with you at some point, maybe down the road. And we'll, you know, we'll keep in touch and I'll see where you're at in a year from now and see how the <laughs> yeah, things are going. But um, yeah, I think what you're doing is fantastic work. And uh, we will leave all the information where, you know, our listeners can find you um, and learn more about you. So um, anyway, Anything else that you'd like to add before we close our podcast today? Anything fun? Who is Ashley outside of the dental world? I mean, I know you love to do yoga. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, well, when I'm not practicing dentistry, I like to I like to move. I like to run and do yoga. I like skiing. 
Um, I read a lot. I read a lot because I'm, I'm trying to, to learn a lot of things I don't know. The more I read, the more I realize I need to keep reading. Sure. Um, I spend a lot of time with friends and family and I love traveling. So you'll find me, maybe you'd find me anywhere in the country, really? out of the country. Yeah. I'm a big traveler. Really? So Good um, for you. that's what I'm doing when I'm not doing dentistry. And I think it's phenomenal that you are young and successful and you have a business that supports your lifestyle. Thank but also is meeting the needs of so many people. So I commend you for your work-life balance. And I, I wish feel you very blessed. I feel like yes. everybody I, I wish you nothing but a that. long, beautiful career. And I think this is phenomenal. 